From our WFUV studios in the Bronx, New York, it's the Pick and Pot. Drop us a voicemail at 347-903-WFUV. Now, here are your hosts, Kenny Ducey and Matt Rosenfeld. Can you dig it? Oh, what's I, I up, was, Kenny? I was inspired by some Shaquille O'Neal videos in that introduction. It's the Pickin' Pod, and it is January 31st, 2014. Kenny Ducey, Matt Rosenfeld. On the phone is Kevin Kelly because we just... It's it's the morning. It's, it's been. It's, he just wasn't coming in today. It just wasn't gonna happen. It's too long. He's with <laughs> us. It is. Call me out from the start. <laughs> well, you have lots of people to call out, actually, Kevin. You are very like you're just fuming over these All Star selections. Uh, so we're gonna get to that. We have Dan Devine at uh, your man Devine on Twitter from Ball Don't Lie. That 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 wonderful Yahoo Sports uh, basketball great blog. blog. Well, yeah, we'll talk with him. Uh, and yeah, so I just want to get it started right right now. Uh, All-Stars, Joe Johnson gets in over Kyle Lowry. The whole world explodes. I, 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 I was in an argument with a Nets fan on Twitter last night, and he was he literally used I, – I, I mentioned the PERs, uh, and I, was, I put out a tweet, and I was like, you know, shooting guards with better PERs. It was like Lance Stevenson – or not Lance Stevenson, but he actually does. It probably does. was Lance Stevenson. He's very, he's very good, too. Uh, like Jeremy Lamb, Rodney Stuckey, you know, like all these guys – um, and then he brought up the fact, like, oh, Joe Johnson's so clutch. Uh, Joe Johnson is not only 7 for 22 in the last three minutes of five or less point games, but he is uh, 4 for 15 in the last minute of five. All right, I, I see your stats. But he's I, great. Well, he, look, he's at game winners, but down the stretch he's been pretty bad. Okay, I see your stats, but I raise you, name me five guys you're more scared of that late in games well, I told him, I with said, a big shot. Kobe. I'll take Kobe okay. over him. Kobe Durant. Andre Iguodala. It was really if you're good. Not, I mean, Kevin, defend me because just I don't think guard position. I don't think that Joe Johnson is not on the same level as, as at least Andre Iguodala. Oh, he's, at, he's on the same. Uh, I don't know though. Actually, what do you think, Kev? He's uh, he's on generally the same level. Iguodala had that big shot against the Thunder, obviously earlier this year. But I take Melo obviously over Johnson. He had one of the best shooting percentages in the last few minutes of a game. Uh, I think it was last year. He had like 50%. Yeah, not this year, but last year. Yeah, last year he was huge. So I still think I'd take Melo over Johnson. And there are guys I would take. Yeah, I mean, like, even maybe, like, Steph Curry I'd want taking that triple. I, I don't know. I, I mean, and look, I mean, you look at the Joe Johnson, like, one of his buckets was just, like, a layup. But, I mean, it was obviously – he's he's clutch. Like He, it, he is a clutch he, man. Let's not take away from but him. But he's only clutch inside 10 seconds. Like, that's like that's what it is. Okay, yeah. He's he had a game-winning a, shot, but he, he has not won the next game down the stretches. Is he's hyper-clutch. All right. But you look at Kyle Lowry. You look at a guy who is probably hurt by the fact that um, – Maybe, uh, you know, DeRozan took away votes from him or something. But I just think when you look at the Raptors, right, you're looking at DeMar DeRozan as the best player. And I think that kind of hurts him, right? Because, you know, do you agree? Because I think, like, you know, it's there's a perception like, okay, well, we have to put someone in from the Raptors. Who's the best player? Oh, it's, uh, it is DeRozan. It's DeRozan. Yeah, I Kyle, think they put but DeRozan. Kyle, but Kyle Lowry has over seven win shares of that team, and DeMar DeRozan only has four. Yeah, well, that's the thing, because I think Kyle Lowry definitely should have been in. I think DeMar DeRozan took it away. What I've heard is that coaches just don't like Lowry. They don't want to vote for him. For some reason, that's kind of the thing that goes around the league, that Lowry's just not liked. I mean, I would have even put in Lance Stevenson over DeRozan. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like maybe that's the same thing with Lance. I mean, maybe people still aren't believing in Lance. I think that's definitely the thing with Lance. I mean, Kyle Lowry is definitely seen as the second-best player on that Raptors team. But like you said... He's playing better than DeRozan this year, and it's really not really an arguable point. But 
at the same time, two Raptors, man. It's just like I, I just I, I'm I'm speaking. Two Raptors. I mean, they're leading the Atlantic. I know it's a terrible Eastern yeah, but Conference. It's the Raptors. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like it's it's just if you would have told the you know it's like the John Sterling quote. If you would have told me you know before the game yeah. that the Raptors would have two All Stars, I, I just wouldn't have believed you. So <laughs> I I but good for them. Good for the Raptors. Uh, another snub. Anthony Davis didn't make it. Uh, you I, I just I have the feeling you're going to go on a rant about this, Kevin, but. Honestly, a, a historically good season for Anthony Davis. He is just unbelievable. I mean, him, you could even make an argument for, like, DeMarcus Cousins maybe, but Davis, like, mainly, uh, I think he'll get in. So the hysteria can stop. I think he'll get in when Kobe is uh, w- can't go because out. of his injury. But still, I mean, to not name him is just ridiculous. Yeah, I think it'll be between him and Dragic, but he should definitely make it in. It's unbelievable. I would take Dwight Howard or Blake Griffin out just to put Davis in. I mean, it's just a ridiculous double standard. You have Dwayne Wade on the other side, who hasn't even played in 30% of his team's games. Davis only missed seven games this season, and he's been a rock all year. It's unbelievable to not put him in the All-Star game. I I agree with you. I mean, I'll say this. Anthony Davis is one of my favorite players to watch because it's not very often you see a stalwart down low like he's been. And a young guy like that, that he could be one of the better big men we see in in a yeah. long time. Well, he, yeah, well, leading, leading blocks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, three, over three blocks a game. And you look at last season, he was scoring 14 points a game. Now he's scoring 20. It, like, this guy has so, like, so incredibly improved, is so incredibly improved over the past year. And, I mean, the only thing, though, is that's hurting him is he plays on the Pelicans. And and while that you think that would help because it's in New Orleans, it hurts him because they're not going to – Consider a, a ton of guys from teams down there, I don't think. And, by the way, Kev, he's averaging over 10 rebounds a game this year. Yeah, over 10 rebounds, and he's, he's been great. I just cannot believe they wouldn't put him in. The Pelicans have had injury issues all year. I, it's tough to you know, get on their case for that. And I think, not to move on, but I, I just want to make the case for Goran Dragic because he's had a great year. He's shooting over 50% from the field, almost 40% from three, and he's got six assists a game. I think Dragic... It's tough to not put him in there, and you can. Some people want to make the Mike Conley argument, but I really like Dragic. And it's sad because he has a million dollar bonus on his contract if he makes the All Star oh, game. That, I didn't know that. That really yeah, hurts. Go, That's go a runs out a million now. It stinks. <laughs> or I don't know if it was a million, but it's a lot. I think it's a lot of money if he makes the All Star game. But it might be actually a million. Anyway, um, I mean, other than that, I mean, are we are we pretty set with these rosters? I mean, I, I do get the Joakim Noah over Andre Drummond thing in the East. I I would have liked Andre Drummond. Uh, but I mean, I, I get Noah. Where do we sit on Lance, Sir Lance? I want Lance. He, we, I mean, everyone wants. Leads the league in triple doubles. He's been awesome. He even started his own campaign to get to the All Star game. Which was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think Lance definitely should have been in. I mean, I've loved the way he's played all year. I just hope he ends up sticking with the Pacers. They can find the money to give him after this year. That's a good point. I mean, I like Lance a lot, but and he does lead the league in triple doubles but his stats really don't stand out to you that much i think it's something like 14 and a half points a game five assists seven rebounds something like that he's kind of a guy that's more of a i think cm is more of a glue guy for the team much like Kirilenko well, sort of is for the Nets. right like, well but he's better than Kirilenko. i think that i think the deal here with lance is that he is just not the be- like one of the the he's kind of a, a good role third, player third best on a great if- team like he is right he's not the first or second best player on one of the best teams in the league and the I just Iguodala of the team yeah. right right perfect <laughs> example because he's really a guy who, who's he's outstanding he he does a lot of th- great things but he's not 
going to be seen as one of the faces of the Pacers, right? You look at the Pacers, you're going to see Hibbert. You're going to see, obviously, George. You're even going to see David West before, Mm -hmm. I think, you see Lance Stevenson, which, which, obviously, some of us might see Lance Stevenson there. But to the general public, to maybe the coaches, I mean, especially a guy like Mike Woodson is going to look at David West and go, oh, that's a guy who beats us up all the time. You know, I need to go big. But, oh, I can't go big. Uh, (laughs) I have a strong bias for Lance Stevenson. I have to put that in there. He's, like, the best player in New York State history. He almost hit 3,000 points in high school. So he's a guy I have a soft spot in my heart for. Well, I mean, we're in New York, so you can you can. Yeah, kinda... you're, al- you're allowed to because he is <laughs> New York's son. Touches three thousand points is just unbelievable. He's like the he's like the Nas of basketball, I guess. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> comparison. So to talk a little more about those All Star stubs now, Matt, because there is certainly a lot to talk about in that realm. We welcome in Dan Devine of Yahoo Sports Ball Don't Lie blog at Your Man Devine. He is just all of our mans today for coming on and taking some time and joining us. Dan, how's it going? It's going great, guys. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm back here in the Bronx, and uh, you know, first off, uh, I don't really know what I'm more like surprised at that Joe Johnson made it over Kyle Lowry. Uh, people could make an argument that the Marcus Cousins should have made Anthony Davis, obviously, like the biggest surprise. I mean, what are, what surprises you most about these All Star Reserve selections? Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, the Joe Johnson pick continues to be a little bit of a of a shocker to me. Uh, I, I know that Joe Johnson has had you know some signature moments. He's played a lot better of late for the Nets, uh, a Nets team that's played a lot better in January than it had before that. But uh, to have him in over Kyle Lowry, I think is uh, that's that one sort of is a head scratcher to me. I think Lowry's been you know much more consistently productive for a Raptors team that's leading there to uh, the Atlantic Division. Uh, out west, it's a lot tougher because there are guys that deserve to be All Stars, but you know. It's really hard to pick guys that shouldn't be on that team. The West is just so stacked at those positions, um, and that could wind up resolving itself on its own. Where you've got, you know, Kobe is, uh, has, you know, is injured and has, you know, is not going to be back by the All Star game. There's going to have to be an appointment to replace him, uh, and you know, Chris Paul it remains to be seen whether, you know, whether or not he's going to be healthy enough to be back. So there might be a couple of spots for a guy like Demarcus Cousins or Anthony Davis or you know maybe a Goran Dragic. Uh, you know, there's no shortage of worthy contenders out there. But in the East, it's a uh, especially with how bad that the backcourt positions have been in the East all season, it's kind of surprising that Kyle Lowry didn't find a spot. I'm a big Joe Johnson fan. I cover the Nets, but I also agree he probably shouldn't have made the team, Dan. Do you think it had more something to do with the fact that the league couldn't really deal with two Raptors being on the All-Star team? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it would have been a a mass hysteria had two guys from the (laughs) Toronto Raptors backcourt made it. But, yeah, it's. uh, I mean, there's – you wonder how much of it, because you know we are talking about coaches' votes. We are talking about the, uh, you know, uh, it, it's a different sort of problem than you see in the fan voting, where it's you know more, more of a popularity contest. But Joe Johnson is a guy that you know is a, a matchup problem for for opposing coaches because of his you know his size on the wing. Coaches know that you know that late in games he's going to be uh, you know a focal point of the Nets' offense. He's had some big moments and some signature moments, the kinds of things that stick in coaches' heads. And he's got the you know he came into this season having been to six All-Star games previous. So maybe there's a little bit of reputation that goes into that as well. Uh, you know, there's, uh, I mean, you know, it's no, you know, not to slight Joe Johnson. It's not like he's uh, played, you know, played terribly, but it seems like a, a, a tough decision to, to justify this year. Uh, then again, I mean, I'm sure that if there's any, uh, any player that's going to decide, uh, you know, use that, motiv- that uh, decision not to, to, to go there as motivation, it's probably a guy like Kyle Lowry who already has a pretty significant uh, chip on his shoulder and that, that only figures to get bigger from here on out. 
Well, Dan, you, you dropped in there that Kobe Bryant, um, you know, someone's going to have to replace him. And, you know, we don't know. I mean, so here's uh, two questions for you because we don't know if Chris Paul's going to play, but he might. Uh, who replaces Kobe Bryant in your mind? And does Chris Paul play? Because remember, this is New Orleans. He does probably want to play this game really badly. For sure. I mean, I think that you start, to me, the Kobe replacement has to start with Anthony Davis. Uh, I know it's, it's, you know, maybe a little bit counterintuitive that you're moving from guard, a backcourt spot to a forward spot. But not only is Davis, uh, you, know, a, you know, a player for the New Orleans Pelicans, the host city that doesn't have a representative in the game, he's also been just like flat out insane. You know, arguably, you know, one of the best seasons ever for a guy age 20, uh, you know, fulfilling that, certainly that hype that he had coming out of Kentucky last year with the number one overall pick. Just, just because the Pelicans have had uh, you know a glut of injuries and have underperformed relative to expectations. That doesn't mean that he shouldn't get recognized for you know the insane job that he's done for Monty Williams. Uh, and then you know if, if you needed to go to a backcourt position, you know if Chris Paul isn't able to, to play, uh, as you said, you know he started his career in New Orleans with the, with the Hornets. Would love to be able to get back there and, and show out in front of those fans. If he can't, I think that Goran Dragic has to be your starting point. Uh, he is. Uh, he, I mean, he showed it again on Thursday night, just absolutely taking the ball down the throat to the Indiana Pacers. He's been even better uh, for the, the Suns since Eric Bledsoe went down. It wasn't just a function of their two-point guard backcourt. He's a legitimate all-star point guard all on his own. All right, thanks, Dan. Uh, we covered the all-star pretty, pretty solidly. Let's jump over to the Knicks. Last night, J.R. Smith had another, gr- another great game, continuing his streak of great play, a couple of sick moves that he put on. What do we think about J.R. Smith of late? Can he keep this up, and does he have to for the Knicks to have any chance at anything significant this year? I mean, I think that's the idea, right? What we've seen so far in the in the early going of the season is that when the Knicks have one primary score, you know, uh, Carmelo Anthony has continued to to put the ball in the hole at a you know near league leading rate. When they get, they have to get some secondary scoring from someplace. There has to be somebody else that can you know carry the team offensively for a couple minute stretches. Can you know uh, continue to provide some space and some uh, draw some offensive attention uh, so that teams can't just load up on Anthony. And for the most part, for the first two months of the season, nobody could do that. Uh, that's why they, ha- they kind of had to re-sign J.R. Smith last summer because they were looking at it and saying, we're not going to get that secondary offense anywhere else. This is something that we can go over the cap, bring our own guy back and pay him. Uh, and this is what you're starting to see over the last 10 games or so, which coincides both with his benching uh, for the shoelace incident, uh, or repeated shoelace incidents, uh, and, uh, and also with uh, him you know, looking like he's, been, he's been back from his knee surgery for a few more months, starting to look, get a little bit more bounce, a little bit more shake back. He's been more of that guy, you know, 15 and a half points in 32 minutes a game over his last 10. The trend is moving upward. Uh, I still, I mean, you still can't rely on J.R. Smith because this is like the, that's the first rule of J.R. Smith is that you can't rely on J.R. Smith. But if he can provide what he has provided over the last 10 games, you know, more dangerous spot-up shooting, they're using him a lot more. It also coincides with the Knicks having to go small based on just a wide variety of injuries they've had in the front court. You're starting to see J.R. Smith, you know, working off the ball in pick-and-roll sets. You've got uh, uh, Felton and Chandler initiating up top. J.R. sort of sliding along the arc, going up to the wings behind it. Draw, uh, either he's drawing defensive attention to, to give Chandler a free roll to the rim, or when they go to, with Chandler to the rim, he's wide open beyond the arc and he's knocking down three-pointers at a, a better clip than he has all year. That's valuable. That's important stuff for the Knicks. It's a big reason why they've been so much better offensively of late, and that needs to continue for them to be able to be competitive. Yeah, and that's even something I, meant, I realized, you know, watching game or watching tape of the Heat game when they first won. I mean, it was 
was a lot of pick and roll sets with, you know, kind of a double stagger, and then, you know, they'd leave Mel open. So, you know, really the Knicks offense is working. And J.R. Smith, 45% from the field, 44% from three, 16 points a game since his benching. Uh, you know, we like to say a lot of funny things about Mike Woodson, right? We like to laugh at his quotes, and, you know, sometimes he's a little, we think he's unaware of things. And, you know, it's kind of twofold because, one, this is kind of exposing him as a guy who didn't, well, he was just stubborn the whole year. He wanted to go big. Now he's going small. He's winning. At the same time, him benching J.R. Smith clearly has made an impact on this team in a positive way, although, I mean, J.R. continues to just be dreadful from the free throw line. Um, you know, where are we with Mike Woodson here? I mean, can we congratulate him for the job that J.R. Smith has done, or do we kind of, like, cry at the fact that he hasn't played small earlier? Well, I mean, I've done my fair share of crying about him not playing small earlier because it was it was so it seems so evident that that was the, the it was the their best chance of being not only successful but fun to watch and uh, you know when you have to watch as much as I have to watch it's uh, you know it, it becomes a, a bummer when you're seeing somebody sort of willfully go against their best tendencies. Um, I, I mean, Woodson does, uh, that was one of the things that we heard a lot last year is that there was uh, you know his his trust in J.R. Smith but also his ability to sort of get J.R. To you know, to you know, have him on a leash, put a, you know, have, put Jr. in the positions where he could succeed without letting him run rampant. That obviously went away in a pretty major uh, fashion for the first couple of months of this year. If there is some sort of understanding, if the benching is, uh, you know, some sort of uh, come to Jesus moment for Jr. at that point, may, I mean, that's certainly a positive. It might also coincide more with just better health, more confidence. You know, you don't really have to. Uh, you know, you don't, you're not as frustrated and acting out quite as much if what you're doing is actually able. You're able to actually do what you think you can do on the court, and we've seen a lot more of that. Jr. seems to be able to, you know, he's much more confident in the way he's moving of late, and I think a lot of that has to do with it, you know, being fully healthy again. But yeah, I mean, Woodson, uh, he realized that he it was an untenable situation at the point that it was at. Jr. was playing himself into a bench role with how poorly he was shooting and giving you basically nothing else on the glass or defensively, and he also was acting in a way that was, you know, uh, it was problematic for the team on the court and in the locker room. So. Yeah, it was the right. It was actually probably past time for Jr. to take a seat. But uh, you know, credit Woodson for taking the action that he did, and it seems to have had some positive effect going forward. Let's say Mike Woodson, the Knicks, Jr. Smith, their stock keeps rising. They make it to the playoffs. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What really, what really is the long-term goal here? Because do the Knicks, even with a good second option in Jr. Smith, have any chance of winning a first-round matchup, let alone against a team like the Heat or the Pacers? Well, I think it depends on uh, how significantly improved they could be over the second half of the season. Uh, if yeah, I, I don't think that they have uh, – if, if the Knicks wind up in a 7 or 8 seed, I don't see them lasting very long in the playoffs. I do think if, they, you know, the, the, uh, if they're able to – you know, vault up into that, you know. Overcome three, the Bobcats. Overcome <laughs> the Bobcats, for example, right? Uh, you know, get into that, you know, maybe a 3-6 matchup or even up into a 4-5 if, that, if that's the way things wind up shaking out. Uh, there, there's no, you know, real dominant squad in, uh, outside of those top two in the East that I think that a Knicks team playing better and playing to its strengths couldn't give a challenge to, at least in the first round. I don't see them being much more than a first-round team at this point, but, I mean, considering how, how far they had fallen off the beginning of the season, I think you'd have to at least be happy to see that if you're a Knicks fan. Obviously, it wouldn't be an advancement past what they saw last year, but uh, the, I think you know, moving past what we saw last year went out the window pretty quickly this year. 
Yeah, and you know, you, you get a chance now. Uh, I'll go, I want to go back to a, a player in particular here because you get a chance while you're looking at the last, you know, the, the game since the Phoenix game where Jr. was benched the night after. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. in his last nine games, 49 percent from the uh, from the field, 44 percent from three, and he's averaging 12 points a game. He has truly been remarkable. Um, but again, it's always his defensive problems that keep kicking him in. You know the rear. So you, you look at him. You look at Jr. Uh, I, I know that early on we didn't want to really make this comparison. We didn't want to say they were alike. But at the same time, I mean, these are two guys. They're hot and cold on offense, and they're not really consistent on defense. Would you agree that these are are maybe the same type of player? Uh, I think the the you know the nicest thing you can maybe say about Tim Hardaway at this point. I mean, outside of, of yes, just noting that he's played. You know, he's been you know very good for them over the last eight nine games. Uh, has you know provided offense at times when other guys have not been able to. Is that he's sort of like Jr. without the baggage right now. Like that's kind of what he provides. Uh, spot up shooting, uh, athleticism in the open court. One of the very few Knicks that can take the ball, push it up the court, and get to the basket. Uh, somebody that's able to get to the rim and do and you know elevate once he gets there. The Knicks don't have a whole lot of those guys right now um and yeah as long as he he's the kind of guy that benefits so much from having that pick and roll game working having you know mellow be able to draw you know draw double teams and then find open spaces out of it because when hardaway gets the ball with his feet set you know open up uh, you know and, and you know no one right in front of him on a closeout he's shown that he can knock down those you know those open looks from especially from the short corners at a really respectable clip so that's a valuable thing for the knicks to be able to do you know it, it, woodson can sort of play them like like uh, you know, uh, like a platoon if, if he needs to. Like, if, you know, if Jr. doesn't have it that night, or if Tim is, isn't playing that well, they can sort of he can you know mess with their minutes a little bit. And when they're both going well, as we saw last night against the. Uh uh, against the Cavaliers, it provides a lot more options. You know, you can go small and in interesting ways and put more shooting, more playmaking, more athleticism on the floor, and that's the kind of, uh, of roster and, and, and you know, lineup configuration that can make the Knicks go a little bit more than they have been in the past. I love the Knicks, Dan, but there's a huge game a little further south down in Brooklyn tonight. <laughs> the Thunder and the Nets, I'm going to be there. I want to know a few things. Kevin Durant. He's on a roll. 12 straight games, 30-plus points, winning mano-a-mano versus LeBron James, pretty much dominating that game. Now can he beat Joe Johnson? No. <laughs> can he beat Joe Johnson? And secondly, what is going on with Kevin Durant? Is this the Kevin Durant we're going to see from now on? Is this, this is historical kind of stuff right here. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, as a, just somebody who, you know, again, somebody who didn't know if, if he could take it to another level because of, I mean, there was that question of he's so, he's, you know, said number, a number of times in the past, I'm sick of being second best. I'm sick of being number two. He was number two to Odin. He's been number two to LeBron, all these things. Uh, you know, it's like, well, yeah, but these guys that are in front of you, especially, you know, LeBron in front of you is, in, you know, if figuring out a way to vault past him seems sort of implausible or improbable, and he has put in the work to make that move. Whether or not you, you think he is a better all-around player than James, I, I don't necessarily know that I believe that, but this year he certainly has been the better player. And what's going on with him is I think you're seeing – is the culmination of all the little improvements that he's made. He's more comfortable with his handle. He's more comfortable facilitating. He's, a, he's become a better passer. He's always been a good passer, but he's become a better passer. He's more comfortable, uh, you know, moving off the ball, giving, you know, some, ceding some responsibility to Reggie Jackson or, you know, as the case may be, Derek Fisher or, uh, you know, some of the other play, you know, ball-handling playmakers they've got on the wing and being able to move off that and, and draw attention. He's, every, he's taking a, a few more shots per game than he was with Westbrook in the lineup, but he's doing more with them. He's 
he's getting to the line at a crazy rate. I think it's like 11 free throw attempts a game in uh, in January. This stuff is sustainable if only because it's not like he's doing anything particularly out of the ordinary or outside of his game to do it. He's taking the shots that he gets. He's creating shots that, that come in their offense, and he's just knocking down a crazy amount of them. It, it's been special to watch, and it, it's going to provide a real difficult challenge for the Nets. That said, the Nets with their all the you know the long arm defenders they can throw at him. Uh, if, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Kirilenko is available tonight. I haven't seen the latest on that. But uh, if, if he, obviously if he's not out that if he's not out there that's you know it hurts them but there are multiple long arm guys that can maybe at least get in Durant's face a little bit not bother that release uh, if but if he even if he's got a, if they're they're in his face in his grill being able to, to close down his space it's so hard to bother that shot and he at this point it's like he's not even seeing anybody else out there on the floor with him he's just shooting by himself and it's been pretty remarkable to see yeah I mean there's like there's I don't think it's possible for actually to contest a Kevin Durant shot it's really ridiculous uh, before we get you out of here Dan uh, while we're on the subject of Durant, you said, you know, you're not really sure if he's better than LeBron at the moment. I, I'm kind of there with you, but he's 25. I mean, is this like a scary thing that he is now, just now, entering his prime? I mean, what could this guy be? Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I think if you're an opposing coach, you're looking at it and saying, this is somebody I'm going to have to figure out how to deal with for the next, you know, at this level for the next five years, maybe, you know, uh, longer than that, maybe, and in, in, or certainly longer than that for the remainder of his career, but at, in this sort of form where... He's uh, you know, he's he's able to pull up from anywhere on the court. That was the thing that sort of struck me as I was going back and watching that head-to-head showdown the last couple of minutes of the of the third quarter against the uh, against the Heat the other night. You know, LeBron is you know bruising his way to the rim. He's banging into Serge Ibaka and knocking him backward. He's bumping off Perry Jones and hitting fadeaways. And Durant's just like dribbling the ball up the court, pulling up from 28 feet away and splashing. And like, there's a difference in exertion and a difference in uh, you know the miles you put on yourself with that sort of thing. And now Durant plays a ton of minutes, but he's also getting his points a lot of times in ways that are not as you know high stress or as you know bruising of uh, you know offensive play. And you wonder if that's going to you know allow him to sustain for longer. And obviously, the touch on the jumper is the last thing to go. They say so. You know, this is the kind of thing that he could be this scary for a long time. You wonder if. Dirk Nowitzki winds up being something that you can uh, extend as a comparison, but then obviously you add a, a, an entirely different level of athleticism and uh, you know and quickness and prowess to that. So it's a scary, scary problem for opposing coaches to solve, and nobody's been able to solve it recently. He is Dan Devine of Yahoo's Ball Don't Like Basketball blog at your man Devine on Twitter, and you really are the man for taking some time out of your morning to talk to us, Dan. Thanks so much, and uh, enjoy some some hooping tonight with the uh, the Thunder and the Nets. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Anything for Fordham. My brother's an alum. So oh, there we go. Nice. You, you meet, you, it seems like you meet a new one every day. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Take care. Great stuff from Dan. Go follow him on Twitter at YourManDivine if you don't follow him on Twitter because he always has those basketball twits late at night, always watching the – the, late night games, the, just like the last night. night. Late, late night ball. Yeah, T- the TNT games were actually surprisingly bad last night. Well, yeah, you don't expect but the you, Knicks yeah. to beat anyone like but that. But you never expect <laughs> like the TNT games to be that bad. They usually pick great ones. I mean, I think that they're like a little off because the Cavs like might have been in that Knicks range, I think, before the season. I thought they would be there, like right, you know, maybe like the 10th, You're 11th right. best You're team. Right. And I thought the Knicks might, you know, you know, we didn't think the Knicks would be down <laughs> there, but now they are. So that could have been a good matchup, but... Man, Kyrie, oh, Kyrie's, Kyrie's just not—he's just not feeling it right now. Um, maybe thinking about leaving Cleveland, like Mr. LeBron James know. did, and LeBron James just lost to Kevin Durant. There's a perfect segue to talk about Kevin Durant, who's been just unbelievable. Oh.
Can I we found do- that really interesting that he might be leaving Cleveland, especially because if he leaves, I'm sure Dang is going to be out, even though he's probably already going to leave. So the Cavs could be left with absolutely nothing after this. I mean, <laughs> but isn't that like the story of their Cleveland, Cleveland's like, life? Cleveland, yes, <laughs> yeah. le- left with absolutely nothing. Uh, I, I think that well, they did get a couple picks with the LeBron James thing. There was a big sign and trade. Like they were a bunch of sec. I mean, it was second rounders. I think a, an eventual first rounder, which was cool. But uh, you know, maybe the Knicks will get the same thing with Melo leaves. Bad if Melo leaves, uh, I, I, look to talk about Durant here for a second. I, I really think. And I wrote a column about this in uh, uh, the Fordham Ram. You look at where he might rank, where he might rank all time. I, I think that you can, you might be able to put him up there, top ten. Be just uh, not now. I'm not saying now, but the fact that this guy is entering his prime, the fact that we started to say these types of things about LeBron, really, when he was 25. You know, maybe he is. You know, maybe he really could be the next Michael Jordan. I mean, maybe the hype is true. You know, I think that you he has a he's had a slightly better season so far than LeBron did when he was 25 in terms of points per game, um, even blocks, you know, a, a field goal percentage. So I think that you could maybe start to dream that he could be the next Jordan. I, I think I think it's fair because he's 25. It is fair because you see his attitude, the way he approaches things. He's always been a hard worker. And in, even what's even better about Kevin Durant is I was reading Matt Moore's column co- earlier in the week, and it's just really nice because we saw him come out of college at Texas, and we knew, we thought this kid was going to be all that and a bag of chips. And now to see him starting to be all of that, it's really impressive. And this scrawny kid from Texas that just yeah, looks like so he didn't belong. so small. I still laugh at all the critics who, as he was coming into the league, were saying, oh, he can't even do the bench press one time. And then Charles Barkley's like, the, the basketball doesn't weigh that much. <laughs> he's just so he's incredible. It doesn't matter how much strength he has. He finds a way to do it. And game in, game out. And he's just taking over games now. He, he is, um, like I just said with Dan, I mean, there's, I don't think you can contest one of his shots because he's so lanky. He rises up and he'll, I mean, he shot, he hit a game winner against, you know, against the Hawks, like on a triple team. I mean, over a triple team. It was ridiculous. Well, if, yeah, well, if anyone could do it, it's going to be the long ball Nets tonight. But I have, oh, my goodness. I have a question about uh, Durant. You know, he's had a great run since Westbrook came out, and you're reading all this about do they need Westbrook? Obviously, they need Westbrook. But what's it going to be like when he comes back as far as who's got the ball? Because Westbrook needs the ball too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've been wondering the same thing because I've actually been hearing reports. There was one of the guys who covers the Thunder said Westbrook could be back as early as the second or the third of February. Everybody was thinking after the All Star break. I'm really wondering how that's going to change their momentum going forward. You know, I think that it's going to be a little different. I mean, obviously, I think everyone knows it's going to be different because he's not going to be taking as many shots. But I mean, I don't see any reason why. Russell Westbrook or the, this, the Thunder in general should be giving the ball to Kevin Durant as many times as they have been right now. I mean, it's been working. I know Westbrook can score, but maybe Westbrook can distribute. Maybe he can be an actual point guard for once. Um, let's move it on because the Knicks don't have a really any point guard, any actual point guard, living point guard on their roster. Um, we got to talk about them for a sec because, you know, it's come on, we're in New York. They, they won. They beat the Cavs. They're going to now play. The Heat and the Blazers coming up, which is going to be a ridiculous test for them, although they are, you know, they're a little hot. Um, I liked what I saw from JR last night. I liked, of course, what I saw from Hardaway last night. All these guards, right? Now, you know, Jeremy Tyler is starting to enter the mix. You kind of like what you see from Tyler, but 
there is no spot for Tyler in their rotation, nor do I really think there's a big spot for Tim Hardaway. Well, you, you talked about it a little bit with Dan. The Knicks are kind of forced to go small with, you know, the injuries up front. And I think as they see success, you would hope Woodson realizes that and continues with it. You know, you like to see Tyler get some minutes, but whatever's working, you got to keep going with. And I think the combination of Hardaway with J.R. Smith and Carmelo, taking a little pressure off Carmelo if J.R. can keep playing like it is, that's the winning combination for the Knicks. And I think you've you've known it for a long time. I hope the Knicks are starting to realize it. Yeah. Yeah, Tyler from the start, that game when Melo went for 62, he was completely overshadowed because he actually had a solid game. And they had some dunks that they talked about a little bit. But Tyler's been solid. I don't know. Going into these two games, I don't know if they can beat the Heat. They'll kind of depend on who plays probably. But the Blazers have been struggling a little bit of late. You never know. They've been, you know, six and four in the last ten. They've been having some trouble. I just, I really think that Lillard is going to burn them. I mean, you saw Kyrie when he was confident and happy in Cleveland. Maybe, I don't think he was ever happy in Cleveland, but um, earlier in the year, he he completely burned the Knicks. And I mean, you know, you, we've just seen point guard after point guard feast on the Knicks. Um, even like last year, DJ Augustine would feast on. The, I mean, it, I think it can have. I think Lillard's going to have a great game. I think. Um, with the lack of bar- post defender Andrea Bargnani, I don't know if uh, the Knicks will be able to defend one on one. Lamarcus Aldridge down low. I-, I think it could be very scary for the Knicks. It is. It is scary for the Knicks, and I think going into these two games, they got to hope for a split. If you split, which with two of the best teams in the NBA, that's that's a success, and that's something we don't. I don't think the Knicks could have done maybe two months yeah, ago. Well, I, I don't even know if they can split this. Honestly, I mean, you know, the Heat are well. The Heat are kind of in a weird place right They're now. They're vulnerable. They are vulnerable. I, I think that it's a strange place for them before we get out of here. I mean, uh, just to kind of touch on them, because I, I think they are their soul on the fact that they're going to go on a hot streak late in the year. They're already going to make the playoffs. It looks like they're content on taking the two seed. I mean, I know they'd love to have that one spot, and it'll definitely we'll probably see the factor of it when they play the Pacers in the Eastern Conference Finals. But when you play three plus three straight years of 110, 120 games, you get an Olympics mixed in there, it's tough to play that many games of basketball, and you're really seeing it. Yeah, I know LeBron complained a little bit about not getting enough minutes now, but it's funny. He needs to realize that that's what they need to do to win. They're only they're three games back of Indiana for the one seed in the East, and it's actually a lot closer than I thought they'd be. I thought Indiana would kind of run away with this, and last night they lose to the Suns, just an off night for them. And uh, we'll, I mean, we'll have to see when the Heat decide to care. I mean, I really think it'll, it might be, um, you know, three months from now. Who knows? Who, who knows? Uh, final thoughts before we're getting out of here. My final thought, look for the Nets tonight. Look I for think them. I, I will be, I'll, my I think, eyes will be open. I think, the, <laughs> I think they will play well against the Thunder. Kevin Durant will get his, but it will be a good game. Kev? I'm looking forward. Yeah, I'm saying Brooklyn, look for them not even tonight. Down the line right now it's set up that they would play Miami in the first round if they hang on to the seventh seed. I think they'll get up to maybe even the three and end up having to play Miami in the second round. Man, those 20 and 23 nets, there's really just nothing like Hot them. 20 and 23 20. nets. <laughs> 20 and 23. I have 8-2 in their last 10. Oh, who knows? All right, thanks for joining the Pick and Pod. We'll be back next I don't know, next, like, Thursday or something, we'll let you know. Uh, we'll let you know about that at WFUV Sports. You can always call us up, leave us a voicemail at 347-903-WFUV. He is Matt Rosenfeld. On the phone, it's Kevin Kelly. Thanks to our guest, your man, Divine, on Twitter. Dan Divine, Yahoo Sports, Ball Don't Lie. We'll see you soon. <laughs>